Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everyone. We have some fun listener questions for you today. But first, I have a high five today. Um, We have so many fun creatures in Florida for my kids to catch. And if anyone knows my kids and probably just any kids their age, bugs and lizards and frogs and all of that is just like a wonderland for them. And I wanted to highlight this app that we have been using. It's really cool. We'll link it for you guys. But it's called Seek, S-E-E-K. And it's it's like a creature identifier app. And you just take a picture of the thing that you found and it tells, it's really cool because it tells like the class order species. So like as you're taking a picture of the creature, like scanning it, the more information it can gather from the camera, the closer it can get to identifying the exact name um, and like type. So it's really fun because the kids have been able to see like families. So they'll like catch a fish and it will go through class order, kingdom, violent, whatever, like broad to um, specific. And then when they get enough information with the picture about the, the animal, tell them like the specific, like, okay, this is a pinfish, And it collects all the creatures that you've identified in like a collection based on location. So like they have a ton for Utah and now they have a ton for Florida. And it's just, I mean, it's fun for me. They're like, mom, we caught something, get your phone. And it's really cool. Cause we've, we've identified a lot of things that I would have just been like, oh yeah, that's a, a tree frog, but it just gets way more specific. Ooh. So it's really fun. So if your kid's like, and it does plants too. That's so cool. So it's a fun, it's a fun one for kids. So that's is my high today. Is it free or you have to buy it? Yeah, it's free. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm totally doing that. Well, you lucky people, we're just going to, we will include the link for that, which I think is honestly a gift. I'm, how do I not know about this, Felicia? I'm I know. Like I, I thought that. for a second, did Terrilyn tell me about this? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I am changing my high five right now. Spur of the moment. Listening to talk because <laughs> if our listeners are going to get some links for this, they're going to get some other links to go along with it. Okay. So mine high five for three other apps that go with that, that I literally just used yesterday. So it goes actually with an actual high five. 
Um, oh, yeah. Uh, seek. Oh, my gosh. I got to do that one. Because there's been so many times we were just in Florida on a vacation. And I was like, they kept saying, identify this. And I'm like, I don't have one for creatures. But the ones <laughs> I do have. But I now, now I will. The ones I do have is picture this for insect and plants. You literally take a picture. It brings it up. It's amazing. It's like we have mm. learned the coolest stuff. And honestly, I'm a huge proponent of not having technology in the wild. But those apps enhance my experience of the wild because we have the stuff that we really like we just take a picture of it and it'll tell if it's and it's so cool so those two apps and then the third app this is my high five is merlin bird id this one you have to download the pack of where where you're living because it doesn't download all the birds of the whole world you have to say like rocky mountains or you know southwest or whatever but then you actually have to you plug it in like you can either take a picture or you can say like this is where I saw it. This is where I saw it and when. And it like calculates where the birds migration patterns are and stuff. And yesterday this cute little bird hit our window, which was very sad. And oh. I thought it was dying. It was a very dramatic. It was it was a great, great story because it was looking like it might be okay. And it looked like it was dying because I've seen a lot. I am. I don't. I know my sisters know this, but I don't know if you listeners know this. I'm kind of a wildlife a rehabilitation person I like love 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 like people in my neighborhood but all neighborhoods I've lived in they call me when they there's like an injured animal of some kind and I usually just bring it to the wildlife rehabilitation center because that's actually legally what you're supposed to do but there are a lot of times where it's something that I can just turn around right there and you know like it's okay like it just needed a little reprieve or something or um anyway I won't go into all that detail, but it's kind of a thing that I love and I'm obsessed with and people call me. I mean, it probably happens, I don't know, once every couple of months, you know, an April will call me and be like, hey, there's a baby bird that fell out of this nest. And almost always I can identify it and tell them it's usually that it's a fledgling and it needs to be left alone. But, you know, I feel like people are always calling me and asking me what to do about different animals. Yes, you really are the specialist. And can I just say, I have been the person calling before. We, I've had it multiple times where I'm like, Terilyn, or like, yeah, we were at my in-law's house and I'm like, my sister will know what to do. Let me just call her really quick. Hold on a second. <laughs> oh yeah, with that Robin. That was so cute. Um, I had a neighbor just a little bit ago. Her cat had gotten a baby bird. And so it was injured, but still kind of okay. Anyway, so I love it. Like I love that people call me for that. But there's this bird. So we've done this a lot. Like I've seen the process of the birds either dying or not dying after they've hit a window. And this one, I thought it's dead. And it was darling. This, Oh, my gosh, it's so cute. And I was like, dang it, you know, guys, we can at least make sure it's getting a peaceful death, right? Like it's not going to be attacked by a cat while it's dying. So we like make it a little basket. And, um, and then it perked up. It took it a few hours, a few hours, but it came back to life. So anyway... Oh, high fives that the bird lived. Other high five is Merlin Bird ID. Um, I can help you identify cool little creatures like that. So we will list, I will link all four of those. Felicia's Seek, the picture of this insect, picture of this plant, and Merlin Bird ID. So that you can just add it to your wildlife adventures with your children. Or even not with your children. Guys, I hike all the time by myself or with ad- other adults. And I use it all. Caitlin, right? You can attest to this. Like yep. I. I still, I'm like, what is this? Let me identify it. It's so fun. Yeah. And it is so cool because I feel like there's been times where I've thought like a bug that I've seen all my life. I'm like, oh, I actually always thought that those little black beetles were stink bugs until like this last summer. And you were like, no, I actually just looked this up and it's really a. something Obscura. Doesn't it sound like it's from Harry Potter? Yes. Yes. 
And I loved it because um, cause they don't even they don't even stink, but they put their bums up like they think they're going to stink. Anyway, the things you learn from those <laughs> wonderful things. Um, yeah, I love that. Okay, well, I'm excited. I know about a couple of those, but I'm really excited about the Seek app. And picture this, actually, I've never used either, so this is exciting. Okay, mine uh, is a high five as well. So it's uh, audiobooks with kids is my high five because – so my oldest is three. I guess he's going to be four here in a couple months, which is crazy. But um, I know that both of you have – like I know I've seen your kids and I know that you guys have listened to audiobooks with your kids. But I always just thought – you know, like I don't know. I was kind of just waiting for the time that they would be ready and that time has come because mm-hmm. we just went on a little family trip a couple weeks ago and it was a four-hour drive to get there. And so I was kind of, you know, compiling some things for the road trip for both my kids. And um, I got the Magic Treehouse books on audio for Emmett. And I thought, oh, this could like go both ways because they're chapter books. There's no pictures for him to like look at with it. But I figured like, oh, I'll just get it and, you know, we'll see what happens because like I love audiobooks. And it was so cute because he loves them. And now – like the way that they came and because they're so small, like I have the first eight books in one, like that's what you get from the library. And it's just so fun because he like loves it. Cause now, I mean, now we've been back for the trip for over a month, but we just have those in the car. And, um, like whenever we drive anywhere and a lot of our drives are relatively short, we're just going to like grandma and grandpa's house or maybe the store. And he's like, can we like, can we listen to Annie and Jack? And he like is always, and now it's so cute. Cause that's like who he wants to be now is like Annie and Jack. And he always makes baby be one or the other. And you know, Will has no idea what's going on, but it's so cute. Cause he just loves it. He's like, now we're going to go to our magic tree house and like, <laughs> where we're going to go. So it's just so cute because I've loved, and it's, I like watch him in the backseat and I can tell his, like his eyes are so big and I can tell his mind is like imagining where everything is. And it's just so cute to like watch that happening. So I feel like I've arrived to that point and I'm like loving it because I love audiobooks. So I'm loving listening to it. And again, I know that both of you have had your kids listen to audiobooks. So I'm just excited that we're there. It's just so fun. I'm loving it. Have you, has he done Dinosaurs Before Dark yet? Yes. Yes. That was the oh, first that, one that we. That was did. Cohen's Gateway. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was so cute because that's, that was why I got that one. Cause I was like, oh, this is dinosaurs. So like this, if, if we're going to get in there, like this is how it's going to be. And it was good. Cause I actually did get the actual book. Cause I thought it'd be fun for us to like actually read it together. And he did, he loved it. And that book, I don't know if it was like a special edition. Maybe they all do this. Maybe you people who are more into this, but it actually did have pictures in it, which was kind mm-hmm. of fun because it was like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So yes. Yeah. I think Magic Treehouse, we actually get this, people ask this a lot, but trying to get their kids into audiobooks. And I think if you start with something like the Stories podcast, which we could link, but they're kind of like a little nib of a story, you know, they're like five to 10 minutes. um, And then you move into shorter audiobooks like the Magic Treehouse um, books or the Boxcar Children. If you can, because a lot of times, if you just turn on a longer book, obviously they they gloss over the, or they they're running around. They don't really like latch onto it. But once you see like what you're saying, that like zone out and they latch on to a story, then obviously they can slowly progress to longer books if you start small. And it is it is quite magical how it can entertain. Obviously, audiobooks are so amazing, but I I feel like 
we almost think kids aren't going to like it because there isn't a visual. But what you're saying, Caitlin, like they're, they like start to create it in their mind and it's, it's really cute. Yeah. Yeah. I can like tell it's like, I can tell his mind is like going off in the faraway places and I just love that. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said, and the thing is that I was surprised about is that at least, yeah, these audiobooks are anywhere from like 35 to 45 minutes. Like they're pretty short when you're listening to them. So for a young kid, I mean, it's like a really good amount of time. Cause so anyway, so, and it's cute. Cause he's like, he'll like, <gasps> I'm scared. Like, you know, like there's like something happening, but it's like so like mild, but I love it. Cause he's just, he's like so invested in what's happening. He's like, why is Jack not with Annie? Like, he's like so concerned about it. But anyway, it's just really cute. I love it. I That's love adorable. it. Yes. So high five to that. Um, okay. So jump now jumping into our episode. So we have some awesome listener questions again, shout out to everybody who sends us these amazing questions because we love them. And the fun thing about them is, is usually we all choose questions that we, we also have questions about. So it's just great. Cause it's like, I, I feel like the ones that I've chosen, it's like, I have some ideas behind them, but I'm always like, I'm always really excited to hear what you like Felicia and Terilyn have to say about it. So jumping right in our, my first question is from Hannah Renee and she, um, it's just like a short thing, but she talks about, she's wondering about siblings playing together and how to kind of help facilitate that. And we actually get a lot of questions about this. Like, how do I help my, my kids have a good sibling relationship? What can I do to foster that? Um, and, um, and so I, yeah, so I, I definitely have these questions. I feel like as I've had a second kid, I'm looking into like, okay, how can I like, and, and the thing is, as they grow, I feel like the relationship changes. Cause it's like when you first have a newborn, they're not interacting as much with, you know, they're basically just laying there and eating and sleeping and that's it. So then as they grow and they start to become more interactive, I feel like the dynamic between the siblings changes. So I feel like as soon as I think I've kind of got it figured out and like things are going good, then like something changes between the two of them and I'm trying to figure it out. So I have a scenario that I think that I actually, I have a question about because I almost feel like it's groundhog day for me every day. Cause this scenario plays out pretty much every day. And, um, <laughs> and so anyway, what usually happens and it's some form of this every morning, you know, like we get up, we have breakfast after like breakfast is over and I'm cleaning up. So I'm busy cleaning up. I feel like Emmett has all of his dinosaurs out and he's like got his whole play going. Like he's, you know, he's talking, you know, he's doing his own thing and he, he's loving it. But then as soon as Will gets down and Will, you know, he's 18 months old. So I've got the three-year-old, 18 month old. As soon as Will gets down and he just is going to go, I mean, he'll go over and he's just going to like go pick up the dinosaurs and do whatever. But Emmett doesn't want him to. So it's like, so then what ends up happening is like, he's like, no, 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 Will, Will, Will. And then he'll, it usually ends up with like him. He's trying to like block Will the whole time. And Will doesn't like that. Cause he's like, get off me. What are you doing? And Emmett's like trying to, he's like pulling him by his shirt back. Sometimes there ends up being a push. So then usually Will ends up crying. And I, sometimes I try to like head it off at the beginning. Again, like I said, this is like groundhog day. So how this looks is slightly different every day because I sometimes, sometimes I am there to do it. But what I, so my thoughts are, so I've, cause I've gone through a few different things. Sometimes I'm like, because before when Will could just crawl and this kind of scenario happened, I would just be like, we have some places that I was like, well, Emmett, just put your placing, like go here. Because we have kind of like a windowsill thing that Will wouldn't be able to get to. So like before, it was just like, okay, well, if you, if you have something that you don't want him to play with, then put it up here and you can play with it up here. Because I totally get that, that 
his play is going to look different than Will's. And Will is honestly just going to like pick things up and put them in his mouth or th- throw them. So I get that it's not necessarily going to be something that he can play together with all the time. But now Will, there's nowhere right there that Will is not going to be able to get to. So I've told Emmett, I've said, hey, like if there is something that you don't, like if you're playing with something and you don't want Will to play with it, then like you need to bring it upstairs to your room and you can play with it upstairs in your room by yourself for as long as you want. But like, if it's down here, everybody's going to play with it. Like this is just free game. But the problem is like, he doesn't want to be by himself. Like he wants to be with everybody, but he doesn't want Will to touch everything. So I'm thinking about holding that boundary, but I'm kind of wondering, like, I'm, I'm almost wondering, like, am I doing the right thing I guess I don't know like where to go from there because it's like I want them to be able to play together, but I also get that there's times where it's going to make sense for them maybe not to, and I think that's good too. But I also don't want to – I know that it's like I don't want to over-intervene because I know that it's good for them to be able to work out things. So I think – so today when this happens again after we record, do you guys have any thoughts on like, how how to go about doing that kind of thing? Like intervening, when to know when to stop intervening. Do you think it is a good idea for me to hold the boundary of being like, no, seriously, like if you, if you don't want somebody to play with these things, like if you have a scene set up that you don't want to mess with, you need to like bring it somewhere where he's not going to be, which would be like your room with the door closed. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts there? Um, first of all, <laughs> that situation is like, just universal the story of everyone's life who has more than one kid so <laughs> if anyone else is experiencing this just know we're here with you um and can i just, and I, there, can I just insert there that it doesn't actually ever go away like my kids are older it was just yeah. in a class last night there were two brothers there not my children it was jujitsu and they were wrestling and the older brother the entire time and the younger brother they were poking each other like I looked over at one point and the older brother was like petting the other brother's face from forehead to chin <laughs> over and over and over. And like the little brother was like flipping out. And I was like, this never changed. It never doesn't ever go away. So I'm telling you know that it just shifts. Like it kind of moves away from fighting over a toy to like, will you stop breathing? Cause I don't like it. You know, like <laughs> it's fascinating. It's just kind of buckling yes. for the long haul here. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> on, Felicia. And, and, it like if I was have in the back of my mind, they're working out a social situation with their sibling. Like it's a learning experience for what's going to happen in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> with other kids. That always makes me feel like, okay, they're it's like fine that they're working this out. But I, so the only, I, I think I <clears throat> have said a million times the exact same thing that you say. If you don't want someone to play with your toys, you can't play in this common area where everyone is, you need to take them up into your room. And if you choose not to, then the baby's probably going to mess with them. And you can either adapt your play to include them or, I don't know what to tell you. That's also what what I usually do. Um, and it goes through phases of being horrible or not horrible if they choose not to move their stuff. <laughs> but I can say that um, it is really cool to see, it's like with Cohen, my oldest, like it's, it's really cool to see how once they get to a certain age, actually, so Sunny just turned five and I mean, if he's tired or like irritable, he's not great, but I would say 
90% of the time, he has just like, he'll see Wes coming and he can tell what she's coming to do. <laughs> and that is to destroy his situation. And he'll, he'll like get in this posture, his hands up. Oh, Wes, 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 Wes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you what I'm doing. And so he knows like the perfect like voice and like way to like diffuse the bomb. And <laughs> it's so, and like, it's just really cute what they like learn how they learn to like manipulate the situation with babies but every time because so i have four kids and they're like the same gapish as yours and every time they're three and 18 months i think i'm going to just leave my house and leave them inside like it is <laughs> the worst age for like the combative fighting constantly over like toys and stuff so just I think you're doing making the right choices. No, it's a phase. Skills will develop. It will pass. <laughs> that is horrible. I love that imagery of Sunny diffusing Wes as a bomb, you know? <laughs> it takes – the thing I love about that, though, I just want to point out how beautiful this is that we learn in families that a kid who is four is can learn, first of all, body language, second of all mm – -hmm what somebody wants non-verbally because when little kids, they do stuff in this a lot of times they're not saying what they're going to do, but they can, you know, <laughs> third, they're learning also. Yes. If I do this and smile and make it into a game, my mm -hmm. stuff doesn't get destroyed as much, but it still might. And then I also have to deal with that kind of disappointment. So right. I just want to point out here that in the frustration of us trying to navigate this as parents and wondering if we're doing it correctly. Yeah. There are lots of tips and I will, will actually include, we have several episodes devoted solely to literally what experts and psychologists say about siblings. So if you want more details on this subject, we'll link those episodes. But I just want to point out that you can also feel really good that your kids are learning serious, amazing life skills here as they learn how to navigate their relationship with their own siblings. So that can first, sometimes that gives me some peace of like, you know, yeah, this, this can be a little hard, but look at what mm -hmm. they're doing. It's beautiful. And you can do so much as a parent to not make it into an unhealthy situation. So I love that. I can totally, see, I can literally see what, I mean, Sunny in my head. Doing <laughs> that right now. It's really cute. Yeah. And oh, you could do like a little pep talk with Emmett uh, separate, like not in the situation. And you could use whatever like code word, but something I like to say to my kids is like the whole like adage, like you get more of what you want with honey than vinegar and so like when it's so i give him a little pep talk of like obviously the two-year-old's gonna do this and remember if you're really like warm to her like this is what's gonna happen if you freak out at her this is kind of what's gonna happen mm -hmm. most of the time so then in the situation when they're in the learning phase i'll i'll use like co-word like honey honey remember the honey <laughs> like <laughs> as she like the bombs running so something like that like a little a little pep like you're like give them a little in like here's a little grown-up secret because you're getting big you know <laughs> mm -hmm. I like that. okay because I like that because it def it brings in what we talked about with good inside too how she talks about the like emotional what does she call like just like the emotional prepping of a situation because it's true like I said this happens or a scenario like this happens multiple times a day so I like that <laughs> maybe talking it through ahead of time like hey Here's something like when this happens. So I, I really like that idea. And I'm I am going to going to bring that in because I was going to ask you, how did you I mean, I'm sure he also sees you do it, which helps. I'm sure he sees you model some form of that. And but, I guess number one, number one is you modeling it. But. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I like that emotional prepping before of like maybe walking through what the scenario looks like, giving them – I like the honey vinegar thing. I kind of forgot about that saying. I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's good. This have, is good. I have two quick things to add here. And one is that code word thing that Felicia just mentioned is magical with children. And if you set them up ahead of time, I love the honey thing. I, I can, I'm going to incorporate that into mine. But mm-hmm. for example, like if people are being kind of mean and I tell my kids this even because for a while there, my oldest would always be like, oh, actually, hold on. My second oldest does this too. She'll be like, you know, I'll be saying something like, no, you may not do that. And, you know, she'll be like, you're the meanest mom ever, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's interesting because when we talk after I'm, when we, you know, when we're reviewing stuff. I'll say, honestly, if I ever actually am doing something that you literally think I am being mean, if I'm just saying a no, honestly, that doesn't bother me at all. You can be upset about a no all you want. But if you're ever feeling like I'm acting in a way that's not – like if you were being like that to your sibling that I would step in, then our code word is, is dragons. So that's what we mm-hmm. say to each other. And they can say it to me. So it's kind of fun because when you, when you say it, when you present it, you're like, hey, this is a code word. And it means that – like you're getting a little in a way that like it's actually hurting somebody. You know what I mean? Like your words are actually hurting. So say dragons, right? So it's fun because they'll use it on each other and they can also use it on me. So it gives them some power, which is fun. And so that's just mm-hmm. one little thing I want to add in there about the code words. It's a great, great tool. Linda mm-hmm. and Richard Air and their will include that episode as well but they have a fun they have an entire list of code words for like tons of stuff they use crabs for when you're pulling each other down or um mm. anyway you know just because you know like crabs will pull each other down climbing mm-hmm. out of a bucket and the second thing i want to add to that and this applies caitlin to your scenario uh just as a little kind of a warning to make sure we we know from all sorts of great research and people who have written amazing books on the subject that comparison as adults is the worst for us, but I mean, right. We all hate what comparison does to us, but kids, it's so much comparison for children is so unhealthy for them in every way. And it leads to, it can lead to lifelong resentment and uh, bitterness between siblings. So this is a situation where the line between encouragement and comparison is very thin. So, For example, saying to your three-year-old, to Emmett, you know, this is, you know, you giving him his power. You have the ability to move your stuff to a different place. Look how cool that is. Like you, I know that you know how to solve this and I know that you can think of a cool place that Will can't reach. That, good, right? You're giving him his own power. You're giving him the ability to choose for himself and use that power. Now, this is a slight difference and it's really tempting to do, but this one, you're dipping into comparison. Will is just a baby, so he can't do stuff right now. So you're a big boy and you can handle this because you're a big boy and he's just a baby. So I like kind of like I expect you to be able to just handle your emotions, right? We do that all the time and we think we're building up the older child by pointing out that the baby and we do that all, you know, it's, it's just an easy, like, it feels like, well, this is good, right? Cause it's making us, it's building the other kid up. But interestingly enough, psychologically, when we do that, uh, and I'm trying to articulate what happens here, but two things happen. One, there's a part of everybody's mind that wants to be a baby, right? I, I remember, and my two of us actually both expressed that when we had babies, they were like, I, I want to be a baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? That looks really fun. Yeah. And 
So there is a part of them that's like, oh, well, dang, he's like off the hook because he's just a baby, you know? So there, there, it adds a little bit of resentment, which we don't want to create. There's already enough chances for resentment. So we don't want that. But then the second reason why we don't want to do that kind of comparison of like you're big and they're just a baby um, is it also takes away their permission of feeling stuff. So the comparison is the most dangerous part of it. But then there is that other layer of there's a difference between saying, I believe in you and I think you can handle this versus you're not a baby. So the implied thing there is so therefore you shouldn't be having struggles with this you know what I mean um mm-hmm. so there's those two dynamics so I'm just saying and I have felt it like I felt it inside of myself so many times being like it feels like you're trying to build up the older kid by comparing them but it's literally the same concept as saying you know we think saying you're smart and your sister is athletic we think we're complimenting the smart one by telling them that but what that kid hears also is but I'm also not athletic right so anytime Mm -hmm. we're comparing but the cool thing is you don't have to take out what you're saying you just you just take out the second part of what you're saying there you know what I mean you can just say I'm really proud of how hard you worked on and again we have a whole thing on praise but you know how hard you're working on that just leave out the sibling altogether just leave them out of the conversation if you can in this you're going to have to talk about the sibling but not in like a comparison way so I just want to throw that out as a warning because sometimes we think it's building up the kid by kind of putting down the other kid but it doesn't oh and the other thing that does is it wears away at the relationship trust because anytime and we all know this when you hear somebody gossiping about somebody else it kind of takes down your trust level with them so even though you're yeah. kind of insulting the other sibling uh it kind of there's a little bit of eroding of relationship there so even though we think we're building up the one kid by kind of nicely putting down the other kid, um, there is that little erosion there. So I just want to throw that out to keep in mind as you're doing that. There's a difference between giving them their own power, walking them through scenarios, uh, even giving them positive, effective praise about how they're doing it, all that, awesome, but just leave out the putting down of the other sibling if you can. Yeah, I like that. So just to recap there, you're saying when I when you say like, okay, because you are older, you you have the ability to, and then like give them some of the options that they can do, but without tacking on the, and, but Will can't do that because he's a baby. Like that kind of a message. Yeah. Well, and there's, I mean, in this situation, there are parts like he can reach higher than Will can reach, right? So there's nothing wrong with saying that, but you you could say something like, you could even change it completely and say something like, I believe that you know how to solve this. So how do you think he is? Hmm, he only goes up to your chest. So hmm, like, how do you think you can solve this? You could leave out the whole he's incapable and you are yeah. conversation, right? You're just giving him his power altogether. So that's just an idea. Yeah. Okay. No, these are all so good. And I'm going to incorporate it today in my, this round, <laughs> this round. <laughs> in happens. Um, that's helpful. Um, Cause I'm also thinking, cause I feel like sometimes, cause I've tried to do also even like letting him problem solve. Like, I'm like, I see that you have these toys and you really don't want Will, like you're not wanting Will to touch it. Like, what do you think you can do? And then I feel like, cause I'm like, okay, this is gonna be good. Cause sometimes, sometimes I feel like that goes over well. Like he'll, he'll think of something like if Will sat, you know, so sometimes that goes over well, but I feel like, again, this has happened enough that usually what will happen is he'll say, I, 
he can't play with these. Like, I don't want him to play with them. I'm like, okay, but they're here. Like, they're here. So what are we going to do about it? And I feel like he's just like, well, he just can't play with them. I'm like, but what, like, what are we going to do? Because <laughs> this is happening. So anyway, so these are all very good. I'm going to try it and I'll, I'll let you guys know how it goes. All right. So let's dive into our next question. And that is, I feel like I'm drowning, <laughs> which I love, just love the start of that question. Cause I feel like parenting is like drowning. What's that? Um, Jim Gaffigan where he's yes. like <laughs> having a third having, kid or something. Yeah. What is having <laughs> four children, your fourth baby? It's like you're drowning and somebody hands you a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, okay. I get it all together in quotes and then a kid gets sick or my husband gets hurt how can I have better systems in place mm, dot, 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 to not feel like I'm drowning? This is the question. So <laughs> I just, we wanted to first come with empathy and camaraderie that this is how we all feel. I think. Yeah. <laughs> just pretend like we're all putting ourselves, putting our arms around each other in a huddle because yes. that's, this is every, yeah, everybody. And I think that if, like there are stages where you're like, whoa, we're cruising. Like we've got things down and then it always is something. The washing machine breaks or the dishwasher or at the same time. Right, Carolyn? <laughs> All of them at once. And... Yep, that's the fun way to do it. Or kids struggling at school. It's always like this balance of like, there's always a kid that's like a kid or two, depending on how many you have there, like needing a little bit more emotionally. Or yeah, there's like a physical thing going on. And so I think just starting with the acceptance of the ebbs and flows and really working on your um, mental, emotional capacity to like tolerate those because I just think that's kind of life. And I know when my patient's skin is thin or like my self-care isn't very good, it'll, I'll feel like I'm fine when everything's smooth and we're kind of cruising but then when we're tanking it's everybody getting sick or whatever it is my schedule's thrown off if I haven't been taking care of myself then it doesn't matter how good my systems are or whatever the things I've put in place I just can't even handle the turbulence of it so for this question that's going to be my tip even though it's not really about having better systems in place or any of those logistics. It's just, I think that life does that. And if I can have my mental, emotional, personal, like peace. And for me, that's, you know, meditation, journaling, self-care with exercise, all of those things. We have a few episodes on what we like to do for that part of our lives. If my cup is full, then I'm better able to handle the drowning-ish feeling. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I just honestly wanted to just say that that's exactly, as I've been thinking about this question, I feel like, I mean, just give, let's just give baby sleep an example here. Your baby, you get, they're kind of sleeping at night and then you go on a vacation and you feel like you can't let them even make a sound. And somehow you end up coming back from your vacation and now they're waking up every half an hour. And it's like, what, what has happened here? Or they get a cold or the wind blows at night. I, I don't know. I mean, just a hundred different things. <laughs> and you think to yourself, I am actually going to lose my mind. This was going better and now it's going worse. And so, I mean, that's just one example, but 
literally, I mean, yeah, injuries. Like you can just every I love this question because it's just so relatable. We all, all, all feel that. So I think the the two things I want to point out is one, it's okay to feel that way. Like there's nothing wrong. Uh, I think it's Eckhart Tolle who says, you don't have to feel bad about feeling bad. You know, like this is one of those situations where it's okay to be like, you know what, this is hard. <laughs> this is, I don't have to feel bad that it feels hard. So just that, it almost takes like a weight off of you. And the second of all, amen to everything Felicia just said. When it comes down to it, that's where we get our strength is by doing that stuff inside of us, which for me for sure is morning routine and true self-care, not the kind of self-care that is that costs money. The, the true self-care feeding your soul, that's really what it comes down to. That's going to be the most effective way to get you through that kind of resiliency situation than any system ever will. And that's not to say anything against systems, but I think the deeper answer is feeding your soul on the inside. And it makes you come at those different things from a place of equanimity instead of stress. So, yeah. Well, and I just want to add here too. I think, um, I think the thing is, like you said, like, I feel like sometimes we, she says like, we do have it all together and we're going along smooth, but it never stays that way because life is life. Like there is always something that happens. And I think the thing is we do have systems in place, but I think especially I can speak from at least a stage of really small children. There is a point where it's like, I think just because of how small they are, like it really is up to me to like keep a system going. So if I'm sick or Cam, if my husband, like we did have an experience this last summer where I was like deathly ill and Cam broke his thumb that same like weekend that happened. And it is like, if those kinds of things happen, it's just like, just know, like, I don't know, just know that it's like, it's okay. Things are going to go out the window and it's going to be kind of crazy. But I think just recognizing that it's like, but, but it's part of life and it's okay when things are like, seem psycho. I think one thing that I've always, that I've loved that I always come back to that I think helps me is, um, when I was on my mission, I had, it was like, I felt like it was really hard and, but I've realized this is not unique to any, like to one certain time of life. I think finding balance in our lives is just like a constant, it's a constant thing that we do. And I remember, my mission president's wife, somebody had asked her this question of like, well, how, like, how do you feel like, I feel like I just can't balance everything. Like I want to do this really well. And I want to do this really well. And I want to do this, but like, I don't feel like I'm able to do it all. And I remember her saying, sometimes when we think about balancing, we think about like that once you get there, you're just perfectly balanced and everything's good. But anybody who has done any sort of actual physical balancing, you know, for you and like Felicia and Terlin, like you guys do handstands all the time. You guys do stuff like that. But like I, I picture someone walking on a tightrope. It's not like they're just once they're there, they're good. They're moving and they have to constantly be like moving. Like if if wind comes, if something distracts them, like it takes energy to to maintain a balance. So I think sometimes we assume that it's like, oh, well, once I'm balanced, like once I have the perfect systems in place, then like it's going to be easier, which is true. Like anytime you do balance, like sometimes you're going to feel like you've got it all together and it's good, but like then a wind comes or something happens and it does, it takes, like you're going to have to adjust to it. And so I think when I think about this, I think recognizing that things are going to come, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not balanced. Like it still just takes adjusting to like continue because a new baby is going to come 
your baby's going to change sleep schedules. A kid, like you're going to start potty training a kid, like a kid at school is going to have something. So I think recognizing that balance doesn't mean that everything stays perfect. It means that like you are able to adjust as things move. And I think that we can find that even when things seem psycho and just knowing that it's like, we all go through it and things will write itself again, but it does just take, and I think a key point just to circle back to what you both said, I think a key point to finding that balance is starting with you, like starting with your center point and like finding some of that inner peace. Cause then it like helps you adjust to the rest, like helps you adjust because everybody knows that like, then, then it'll write everything with like the people that are so dependent on you as like a caregiver. So I think those are my thoughts there is that recognizing that it's okay when it feels like it's a little bit off and it doesn't necessarily mean that even you're doing anything wrong or that you didn't have the right systems in place. I think that like life just happens. And if we, if we like continue to center back in on ourselves, we can like keep, like keep it going, even though it feels crazy. Yeah. And to your point of exactly, I was, I recently read a book called do the work and we'll, we'll probably talk more about it on the podcast, but it's by Dr. Nicole LaPera. And something that you said reminded me of something I just read in that book. So I was like searching through my notes and um, it's a part of the book where she's talking about restoring balance after like a hectic state in our lives. But she just says this reminder, you're not bad, you're just surviving. And mm-hmm. it's just easy to start beating yourself up. Like I'm doing something wrong. I'm not a good parent. Like this respectful parenting thing I'm doing is not working. My systems are bad. I'm, I have too many things on my plate. I need to take, like, it's, it's easy to get in that vicious cycle of telling yourself all the things you're not doing right. When reality is life is just sometimes hard or dysregulated and just be gentle with yourself with in like, and that might look like your self-care might just be a lot more like taking stuff off of your plate, saying no to things, setting boundaries, whatever it is. But just just wanted to reiterate the reminder that we're all saying that you are not bad. You're not doing something wrong. Sometimes life is just a lot. <laughs> and that is just life. Yeah. That's just life. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for these listener questions. They were fantastic. As always, let's find the magic. Hey everyone, this is Tara Lynn, and I would just like to give a personal thank you to everybody who has left us a review. They are so kind. I seriously get like teared up when I read them. One of my most current favorites is from a mom. She says that our podcast came out about when her first baby was born and she'd listen to our episodes on every walk that she'd go on. And she felt like she had like her best friends walking with her. So I just want to let you guys know that we've had a lot of people say that they feel like we are their friends. And I want you guys to know that we think about you guys all the time as our listeners. And we, I totally feel like you're our friends as well. So I just want to thank you for leaving us a review and let you know it is so helpful for us and our podcast success when you do leave us a kind review. So thank you. If you are willing to leave us one, you just go to search Find the Magic on Apple Podcasts. And then you scroll to the bottom of the page and leave a review. And then you make sure you push send after you leave the review and give us a rating. Thank you so, so much. And hope you 
Have a beautiful day.